tonight. Close your eyes with me and I'm going to pray. Father, I love you. I'm so thankful for the gift of your son. I'm so thankful for this Easter morning, this resurrection morning. Lord, I'm thankful for this fourth service that, Father, we would even need to have four services. Father, I thank you as we take a moment and look into the word that you open our hearts and open our eyes. I'm thankful, Father, for such an amazing church, for such an amazing body of believers. Lord, I'm humbled and I'm honored every single week that you would allow me to pastor this church. You'd allow me to stand on this platform and call this church my church. Lord, I love you and I'm humbled. I'm thankful for what you saw in me when I didn't see it in myself, for what you see in us that we don't even see sometimes in ourselves. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I want to tell you a story about a king. There was once a great and noble king, and he ruled over a vast empire. His empire was so large that the horizon couldn't even contain it. No other king or kingdom would dare challenge him or take him on because he could crush all foes in an instant. Well, as time would have it, this king fell in love. And he fell in love with a maiden who lived in a village below the castle. And being king, he thought to himself, being king is one of my greatest strengths, but it's also my greatest weakness. And he thought, I can get on my stallion, I can take my men, and I can ride into the village, and I can sweep her off her feet, I can carry her to the castle, I can put a royal robe on her, I can put shoes on her feet, I can put a ring on her finger, I can coronate her, crown her as my queen, put a crown on her head and seat her next to me. But here's what he thought. What if she's afraid? Or what if she harbors in her heart? You see, he wanted her to love him for who he was, not because he was king. So he thought, well, I'll just scale it down a little bit. I won't take my men. I'll just go by myself. So I'll get on my stallion, and I'll ride into the village, and I'll knock on her door, and I'll introduce myself to her, and uh, I will try to win her heart. But again, he thought the very same thing. He thought, what if she says yes just because of fear? You see, he didn't want a slave. He didn't want a servant. He didn't want a partner who was afraid. He wanted an equal. He wanted a lover. He wanted somebody who would rule and reign alongside him. So here's what he thought. I'll step down off my throne. I'll give up my glory. I'll take off my crown, and I will become one of them. And I will dress as one of them, and I will go into the village. Now, he didn't do it just in disguise. He literally gave up his crown. He really gave up his authority. And he dressed as one of the villagers, and he went into the village to begin to win her heart. Listen to me. Christianity at its core is a love story. Christianity at its heart, at its very foundation is a love story. Listen, it's not about rules. It's not about dogma. It's not about doctrine. Listen, the Bible's not a rule book. The Bible's a love story. The Bible is filled with love letters written to you. Christianity's a love story. And our king has left his throne and come to earth to win our hearts. I heard many years ago, and you've heard me say it many times before, that God is waiting to be wanted. Listen, if you've ever felt left behind, if you've ever felt slighted, if you've ever felt invisible, if you ever felt like in a crowd no one noticed you, or if you've ever been rejected, or maybe you've been divorced, but somewhere in your life you've been hurt by love. C.S. Lewis says that if you don't want to be hurt by love, don't even love an animal, because we all know what animals do while they die. Well, listen, I have great news for you this morning. Your king has come, 
and you are chosen, you are noticed, and you are loved. That's Christianity. It's not rules. It's not guidelines. Listen, I don't know how you got here this morning, and I'm grateful that you're here and that it's Easter, but maybe you stayed away because you thought, hey, I don't know about all the guidelines and all the rules. That's not the heart of Christianity. Listen to me. Kings don't die. We all know it, right? Presidents and senators don't go to war. Presidents and senators don't go through boot camp and and don military gear and go to war. They don't do that. Those with power do everything they can to hold on to it. And they send the young to war. They send their sons. They send the, the young men and the young women to war. They don't go to war. Kings don't step down from their thrones. Kings don't take off their crowns. Kings don't give up their glory. But our king did. Yeah, our king gave up his life. Our king stepped down off the throne. Our king took on flesh and he came. And he didn't do just what the king in the story did. He has come to win our heart, but he also came to die for us, to justify us. Kings don't die, but our king did. This past February, of course, it's Valentine's season. And you know, Valentine's is all about love. And I came across an ad. And when I saw this ad, the Holy Spirit really stirred it up in me and it just jumped on me. And it's an ad from a jewelry store in New York City called Cartier. Now, if you're from Texas, it's Carter, okay? But, but if you live in New York or you're an Easterner, it's Cartier. And uh, what this is, is it's a bracelet and it's made of gold and has diamonds on it and, and the leather strapping on it. To me, it just made it look like a crown. I don't know why, but it really just jumped out at me. But then really what struck me were the words. Listen to what it says. It says, how far would you go for love? Now, I believe with all my heart, the Spirit of God just stirred this in me. And I know what the, we all know what the jewelry store is doing, right? They want you to go into debt for love, right? They want you to spend some money and buy some jewelry. But I, it's not about what would I do for love. Here's what struck me. How far would you go for love? And it made me think of my king. Because I know how far our king went for love. He took on flesh. The Bible says he died de- the death the death of the cross. I've said it before. You see, nails didn't hold Jesus on the cross. Love did. The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him. Now, when you think about the cross, and I'm going to read you some verses this morning, you would think there wouldn't be any joy in the cross, but the joy was, is he knew he was going to win us. He knew he was going to be able to rule and reign with us. Now, when a king steps down off his throne, one of the first things he has to do is remove his crown, and that's exactly what Jesus did. And when he removed his crown, he took on a different crown. And I'm going to read to you this morning out of John chapter 19, starting with verse 1. We're kind of jumping into the story here, but listen to what it says. It says, so Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. Now, that's a pretty simple sentence. And what it means is he was beaten. And the Bible says that he was beaten so savagely, he was whipped with a cat of nine tails, which is a hard handle with leather straps, and sometimes they would put bone and metal in it. Then he was whipped on the back with this cat of nine tails 39 times, and it says he was beat so savagely that he didn't look like a man, and he did that for you and for I. So Pilate took him and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. Now, of course, they're not doing this to honor him. They're doing this to mock him, and if you're like me, and I know you are, because you're a human. There's nothing we hate more than being made fun of. There's nothing we hate more than being belittled. And it so humbles me to think that the creator of the universe, the God of heaven, allowed his creation to do this to him because he loved us so much. 
Let me continue to read. It says, they put on the purple robe and they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hand. They slapped him. They slapped him. Another place says that they pulled out his beard. Then Pilate went out again. Now, he goes out into the crowd. They're out there. The mob is out there. Pilate went out again, and he said to them, Behold, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. Pilate knew who Jesus was. He sensed it. He felt it. Listen to what happens. Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Now, remember, he took his crown off, and he took your crown, the crown of thorns. And Pilate said, Behold, the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him. I find no fault with him. Verse 7, The Jews answered and said, We have a law, and according to our law he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. Now here's what happened, and here's what I want you to see this morning. Jesus took off his crown, and he put on your crown. He took off his royal diadem, and in its place, he put on a crown of thorns. Here's what happens. Imagine, you know, that there's a cross. We have a cross over in the corner. Here's what happens at the cross. It's an exchange. You see, what happens is I go to the cross, and I bring my sin. I bring my brokenness. I bring my destruction, and I give it to Jesus. And in turn, he takes it, and he gives me his righteousness. And the word righteousness means right standing with God. All right, you see, Glenda's on the front row right there on the corner, and Glenda and I are in right standing. What does that mean? That means we're friends, and I would do anything to help Glenda that I could, and I know her and her family would do anything they could to help me. We're in right standing. Well, you see, if you know Christ is your Savior, you're in right standing with God. Jesus said, in fact, that we're friends. You see, God, I don't know what you think about God, but he's not mad at you. He's not after you. He doesn't want to hurt you. He's your friend. You're in right standing with him. That's what happened at the cross. Well, I'm going to show you four quick things this morning that happened when Jesus took your crown and you took his. I'm going to read to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. I love this verse. The first thing that Jesus did was he took your judgment. You see, I've been judged and found guilty. You see, I was in the sinner's line, and I was marching toward my death, and Jesus came up, and he pulled me out of line And he stepped in line and took my place, and he did the same for you. You see, he took my judgment so that I could have his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Now, stop right there. I already talked to you just briefly about what the physical beating did to him. But more importantly than that, you see, Jesus was the lamb for the slaughter, and he took our sin. Listen, this is amazing. I can't even understand it, really. But Jesus took the sin of the world upon himself on the cross. And it says that he didn't even look like a man. It says that he knew no sin. We know Jesus didn't die on the cross for what he did. He died on the cross for what we did. And it says that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So the first thing that happened was he took my judgment and he gave me his righteousness. Now, don't miss this. I'm as righteous right now as I'm ever going to be. I can't do anything to be more righteous. What does that mean, Pastor? I'm in right standing with God. God loves me and I love him because of 
Jesus, not because of anything I've done. And I'm in good standing with God, and you are too. Let me show you the second thing that happened is he took our capital punishment. Kurt touched on that briefly. That's all the cross was is capital punishment. That's what the Roman Empire used to control the people. It wouldn't be any different today than the gas chamber or lethal injection or to be hung like they did in, in, the, in the cowboy days. Whatever form of capital punishment there was, that's what it was, was just capital punishment. And you see, he took you He took your punishment. He took my punishment to give me tender mercy. Listen to Psalms 103, verse 4. I love this. This is such a powerful verse. It said, who redeems your life from destruction. Now, just stop right there. I want to show you something really powerful. I received Christ as my Savior when I was about a 12-year-old kid. And I loved Jesus, and he came into my heart, and I heard the gospel. But then as I got older and I became a teenager and I became a young man, uh, I kind of got off track. I know like a lot of you have, and I got on the road to destruction, and I did some things that I probably shouldn't have done, and I did some things I wasn't proud of, and I was on the road to destruction, even though I knew Jesus is my Savior. In fact, I saw some of y'all on that road. Uh, I kind of bumped into y'all, right? And some of you have been to some of the same places I've been. You've been to some of the same parties I've been to. Uh, I just won't tell anybody I saw you there. But I was on the road of destruction, even though I knew Christ is my Savior. But I want you to see something. It says that he redeemed me. Now, let me tell you what redeemed means. It means to purchase. <clears throat> when I was a kid growing up, my mother would shop at the grocery store. And when she would get done shopping, the lady would put her finger on this dial and she would spin it. And these S&H green stamps would come out. And me, all are laughing. And my mother collected green stamps. And then she would take those green stamps home. And my brother and I would lick them. And, you know, we'd put them in the books. And, and she would collect those books. And she kept them in a drawer. And, you know, every once in a while, we'd get a catalog in the mail. You know, they had a redemption center, a S&H Green Stamp Redemption Center. And so, man, you know, we'd pour through that catalog. And we're looking at the pocket knives and the flashlights. But those stamps belonged to my mother. Those stamps were worth more than my soul. And, you know, and, and so she wasn't spending those stamps on me. She was spending those stamps on something she needed. I, we lived in a single-income home, and those were her stamps. They weren't my stamps. And so when we went to the store, she would get what she needed. I'm not saying occasionally we didn't get something, but she got what she needed. Right, she wouldn't make a very good mother today, would she? Because, yeah, today why, we have to give our kids whatever they want. I won't preach on parenting. But, uh, she, yeah, she redeemed those stamps. Now, listen to me. you've been redeemed, but you weren't redeemed with stamps. You were redeemed with blood. You see, Kurt got up and took the offering, and I know some of you that maybe don't come here very often, that kind of makes you nervous, right? The devil tells you, man, you go to church, they're going to want your money. And, you know, he got up and said, your money doesn't belong to you. And it's very powerful to understand that. You see, you've been purchased I've been purchased with blood, so I belong to God. My marriage belongs to God. My kids belong to God. My money belongs to God. My past, my today, and my future belongs to God. It says he's redeemed me from destruction. Then it says he crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. Now, don't miss this. He wore the crown of thorns so that you could wear a crown of loving kindness and tender mercy. Now, don't miss that. I almost can feel it on my head this morning. You see, I'm wearing a crown. You can't see it, but I'm wearing a crown that God has given me, and it's the crown of loving kindness and tender mercy. Listen, that's the heart of your Father towards you. Again, I don't know what you think about God or what you've tried to attach Him to, but His Scripture, His love letter says, Hey, Rusty, hey, church, I love you, and I want to give you a crown, and that crown is loving kindness 
And that crown is tender mercy. I don't know about you, but that changes how we should think about God. The third thing he did, I want to read to you in Isaiah. It says he was chastised. Let me read it to you. Isaiah 53, 5 says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities or our sins. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes were healed. Now, I could preach a month on that. There's a lot in there, but I just want to bring out one point. It says that the chastisement or the beating that he took was for our peace. He took chastisement. He took a crown of thorns so that we could have peace. Now, uh, we, we live in a world today where peace seems like a pretty rare commodity. I mean, just this week on the news, right? I mean, I don't even have to go back five or six days, right? We, we dropped the mother of all bombs uh, on another country. They said the only thing bigger than that's nuclear. Now, I'm not, I'm not here to say we should or shouldn't do that. I'm not talking hawk. I'm not talking dove. That, that, don't misunderstand me. That's not my heart at all. All I'm saying is, is we live in times that are pretty crazy, all right? And, and, and in the same week, then I turn on the news, and, and a guy gets beat and drug off an airplane, and, and he's not a terrorist or a criminal. He's a customer, right? And I don't fly very much, but I know now when I fly, when they say, get off, brother, I'm getting off. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm going to get up and go to the Starbucks and get some coffee. Amen. I mean, I don't fly very much, but I know now when that person comes up and says, you need to move, this brother is going to be moving. Amen. <clears throat> now, now, I, you know, I'm not making fun of them. Don't misunderstand me. And you may not care a thing about that. And it, didn't, it doesn't affect our life. I know it doesn't individually. But maybe you got a doctor's report you're concerned about. Maybe you have a family member you're concerned about. Maybe when you looked at your checkbook or your bank statement, it didn't give you any peace. Maybe you're worried about the future. Maybe you're worried about retirement. Maybe you're worried about the past. Maybe you've got a daughter you're concerned about. Maybe your marriage is, is maybe struggling. And because of that, you don't have any peace. Listen to me. The greatest commodity there is is peace. And Jesus died so you can have it. Listen, when I pray and I go through my day, one of the things I say is, Jesus, thank you that you're my peace. You're my peace. No matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through. Listen, God holds you in the hollow of his hand. And the Bible says nothing can take him out. Listen, I don't know about the future, but you know what I know? I know him who holds the future. And I want you to be encouraged today and to have peace. The last thing, and it's the most dramatic and amazing, but the most simple is John three sixteen. You know, in Power Kids Ministry, uh, which has been going really so, so well, and we're so blessed down there and have such great volunteers. One of the simple verses that we learned down there that they all know is John three sixteen. It's one of the first verses they've learned. Now, over the last three or four years, they've learned 10 or 12 verses. We make sure they know them, but they know John three sixteen, And I know many of you know it too. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen, I think there's so much amazing truth in that verse. It so ministers to me. For God so loved Rusty, and you can put your name in there. For God so loved Rusty that he gave his only begotten son. Listen, Jesus wore the crown of death so that we can have the crown of life. That crown's worth having. He wore the crown of death so you and I could have the crown of life. Now, just don't miss this. <clears throat> Jesus wore my judgment. He took my capital punishment. He was chastised for me. And he died for me. And I get righteousness. I get tender mercy and loving kindness. I get peace. And I get life. 
Now, I don't know what your current relationship with God is like, and maybe you've stayed away. I know people that stay away for 50 years. There was somebody in the last service who hadn't been in church in 40 years, and they were in our service with the, the 9 o'clock. 40 years! And I believe God drew that man here, and he told me I was touched and I was ministered to today. People stay away because of the rules. They stay away because of the dogma. They stay away because of the guidelines because they can't keep them. I got good news. This is your love story. Jesus loves you and cares about you. And I just want to encourage you to open your heart to him. Would you close your eyes and let me pray for you this morning? Now, I believe there's two groups of people here. The first group is you're like me. You said yes to Jesus maybe a long time ago. But somewhere along the way, you got off the road and you got on the road to destruction. And it doesn't mean you're doing terrible things. It just means you're in charge of your life. Listen, if you're the boss of your life and not Jesus, that's a hard way to live. And so I just want to give you an opportunity this morning to surrender. I know there are people here this morning, and I'm so glad you're here Easter, but you need to be in church more than once a year on Easter, and you need an opportunity to say, Jesus, I want to give you my life fresh and new, my marriage, my kids, my grandkids, my business, my life. I want to surrender. I'm tired of being in charge. I'm tired of being the boss, and I don't want to play that game anymore. Then there's the second group that I believe there's somebody in here, and and you're not a Christian. Oh, you're in church this morning, but you're not a Christian. You've never invited Christ into your life. Now, being in church is a great place to become a Christian. But going to church doesn't make you a Christian. You see, I can sit in the garage, and it won't ever turn me into a car. But you can sit in church and never become a Christian. Oh, you can become a good church member, but you see, that's not what matters. What matters is knowing Jesus is your Savior. So maybe you just need to come home been a while since you've been out there doing your thing or maybe you need to say yes to jesus for the first time and i just want to give you an opportunity you know if if we were in a crowd and i needed to get your attention i'd hold up my hand and wave at you well i want you to get god's attention this morning if you have a need if you need to pray if you need to invite jesus if you need to surrender can i get you just to raise your hand so god can see it this morning you're not doing it so i can see it listen if there's one thing i'm not i am not ashamed of jesus christ So don't think in this room, well, I want to raise my hand, but I'm afraid. You press on through that and you just hold it up. You're not holding it up for pastor. You're not holding it up for anybody but for God. But you just slip that hand up and say, God, I'm tired and I'm ready to come home. I'm tired and I'm ready to come home. Just hold up your hand so he can see it. I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. It's called a believer's prayer. And I just want to pray. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to pray and you're going to pray after me. And I I need everybody's help. I, need every, I don't need you to sit in silence. I need everybody to pray. And you need to, let's pray it together and pray it boldly and, and really make it sound good. So say this with me. Say, Father God, I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming for me, dying for me, being raised from the dead so I could be saved. Jesus, I give you my life. My yesterday, my today, my tomorrows I give you my heart I surrender thank you for life in Jesus name amen 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 God is so good I'm so thankful for your heart to say yes to Jesus those of you that raise your hands and if you knew if you didn't raise your hand but you prayed that and believed it I know God is doing great things in you 
Listen, I'm so proud of each one of you. I love you so much. We've had such an incredible weekend. Many of you have come to multiple services. Many of you invited friends. Many of you have brought family. And I'm so humbled and honored to be a part of such a great work of God. And it's amazing to be here. Amen. Would y'all stand up, please?